off the ball. That was serious. He was furious. He wanted his net. Just won the World Cup. And you won't let me clip a little panel of net. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. And you're very welcome along to the Football Kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Make sure to subscribe to our own YouTube channel and we're live every Friday around about half past 11 bringing you the best of the weekend's fixtures to watch on the telly. I'm delighted to welcome Keith Tracy and Phil Egan with us as well. Keith, good morning to you. How are you? I'm very well, Jay. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Um, we were just chatting here before. Uh, how difficult is it for these footballers to try a leg this weekend if you're playing in the World Cup next week? Uh, it is difficult. You know, a, a lot of people are saying it's not difficult, but it is, you know. My mind immediately goes back to Raphael Varane when we seen him crying. You know, when he, when he pulled his hamstring against Chelsea, he knows immediately he's out of the World Cup. And again, this is a player who's a millionaire player, who's won the World Cup player, who's played in the Champions League, a player who's done, been there, done it in every sense of the word. But as soon as he realises he's not playing in the in the World Cup, he's crying like a, like a you know, he, he's really, really wounded by it. So you can see how much it means to these players. So I do think we'll see a couple of funny results here and there. Maybe the, the so-called lesser clubs meeting the bigger clubs because... Also, you know, more internationals, they'll come a little bit more off the boil and therefore the, the lesser clubs might just be able to beat them. So it remains to be seen, but I think it's the most human thing in the world, isn't it? Just to come off the boil and protect yourself that little bit. Yeah, you were making the point though, it's difficult. Yeah, I think it just shows the madness of putting the World Cup in the middle of a season. But yeah, definitely there's going to be players that are not going to be they see the ball there and they think, ah, do I really need They're making to business decisions. But they often say that if you do that, then you actually could end up getting hurt even more. Yeah, what about that? Like that bit where you're a little bit off, you don't go in properly for a tackle, you're half a centimetre away, you get caught by the opposite numbers, studs, your shin is gashed. It's a 10-12 day injury, but they're the 10-12 days that are going to take you out of the first and second games of the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's a strange. Well, it, it it is usually one of them when it's when you you go into tackles trying to protect yourself that you end up getting hurt. I understand that, but you know it's it's human. When you see a ball dropping, generally you know you don't start thinking about the World Cup in that split second. You you do just go into the tackle. So I'm I'm more thinking about the intensity of the running and and you know the the intensity in the press because you know you you can sort of protect yourself. You know you have a twenty yard run to do to press somebody. You can you can run twenty yards pretty quickly and make it look like you're sprinting, but it's not really a hundred percent sprinting. That's the sort of little percentages I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the crunching tackles because yeah. generally these days the Premiership has gone a, gone a little bit away from that. There might be the odd tackle here or there. So I'm more talking about the intensity and the running. I, I don't think tackling would be a, be a huge issue for, for anybody really. If you're a manager, are you thinking about this in your head and going, I'm not going to pick the lads who are in the World Cup, not because you want to rest them, but because that psychological aspect is like you're, so I say you're Unai Emery and somebody, he took, brought Matty Cash off the bench last night. I was a bit surprised because like he's going to the World Cup and does he, you know, I mean, I'm sure he does care about because the game, I think at that stage might still have been two all. Maybe they've just gone 3-2, I'm not sure. Um, but I was, I, as a Villa fan, I was like, I'm not really sure we're bringing money cash on now. I think he was doing actually Young a favour. Well, he had to, honest, maybe in that instance. was starting to, to kill it up, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't begrudge Matty Cash 
playing in the World Cup as a Villa fan at all. I think it's great for him. And I think mm. You know, generally that's good. But would I play him this weekend? I I don't know. They probably they probably have to. But equally, if I'm Unai Emery, I'm thinking I don't fully expect him, and I won't respect him any less if he doesn't try that hundred percent in those out and out sprints. If normally you'd expect him to have. 25 high intensity sprints uh, if he's only going to have 19 is that the difference between us conceding a goal or not conceding a goal it might be so I'm just as well to stick in somebody who's, who is going to play at the full I guess that's my long way away Keith will managers take this into account in, in for a multitude of factors yeah look I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a strange one for the manager because obviously you want to pick your best players and your best players will generally be going to the World Cup and to, to, to talk about Matty Cash it's probably he's probably quite a unique one because his his uniqueness as, as a fullback for me is, is his ability to get up and down the pitch and he's very high output in, in what he does physically. So if you were to say to Matty Cash, you know, I'm going to take 10% away from you there, I think he'd struggle to make an impact in the game. So he really needs to be 100% going into games for me to have an impact. So if he was coming off that, but then, but then again, you know, we all know Emre will be having a look at these lads and he'll be thinking, you know, do we trust them to be able to still playing these games because it's a saying that Sean Dyche used to say to me all the time everybody wants to be a footballer but not everybody wants to be a professional footballer and these will be one of these times where you've got to go you've got to turn up and you've just got to you're not, you don't want to get through the game but that's what you'll be thinking in your head I just want to get through this with no injuries but you've still got to give somewhat of a performance because like I say there's still a lot, a lot to play for you know Manchester City could top the top the Premier League going into the World Cup. Arsenal might top it. You don't really want to be in the bottom three going into the World Cup. It's a long time to be a month or so to be thinking about coming back to that. So there is a lot to play for. So the managers will it's it's a fine balancing act of picking the players who are going, the players who are not going, but ultimately you want to win the game of football and yeah. I think you've got to pick your best players for that. And then on the other side of it, as a player, right? Some players we certainly there are uh, big suspicions that they haven't been trying as much of a leg potentially because they've missed previous tournaments and have decided that they're not going to miss this one we'll see how well they perform looking at you Virgil but what about so take take a player like Matty Cash and you're saying he needs to be at, at 100% or take one of the England players who are on the fringes of the team do they need to play really well this weekend to keep themselves in the best possible form because the two training sessions they have before the first game they're going to need to absolutely explode if they're going to knock somebody who is in their position out of the team. That's the other side of this as well, that some people will actually be inspired to play their greatest ever football. Yeah, some people will. I think, to go, to go back to England, I think that's that's probably half the reason that James Madison is going, because I think we could probably have a fair guess of what England's starting eleven would be. I don't think with, you know there'll be any huge surprises in there. Madison, for me, isn't going to start. He's probably the big talking point, but he, he, he has that sort of ego, and I'm, I'm hearing a lot of ex-professionals talking about him and how he trains, and Sometimes you need somebody like that because you know when when the start, the starting eleven is pretty much set in stone, training training sessions get into like this methodical thing, and you're not really getting the best out of each other. But if James Madison is going there with a bit of an ego and thinks I can get into this team, he's going to push training up because then all of a sudden, Joe Bellingham, uh, Jordan Henderson, the likes, Declan Rice are thinking I've got to perform now because otherwise Madison's going to look a little bit better than me in training and. If Declan Rice, for instance, is going to be marking Madison in training and attacking against a defending midfielder, which you, you would think would be a normal matchup in training, they're going to start driving each other around and all of a sudden there's competition. Although for me, there's not an awful lot of competition in the starting eleven for England. Maybe a right back if they play a five or a three or maybe even a four, it depends. 
But for me, I think it's, it's pretty much set in stone the way the English are going to set up. But you need people like Madison who are just going to drive the standards up in training and just put a, a, something, a little something a little bit different into the manager's mind. Yeah. Right, that is the other aspect that some players will desperately try and use this last window to be the most important memory in the manager's mind when they're picking the team the next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, I mean, we hear that so often that managers should be picking the most informed players, but it doesn't always work like that with international football. I think you'll see that even sticking to the England team. There's going to be players starting in that team where... Do you not be tempted, though, if you were Southgate, given the, the very weird nature of what we're talking about, to, to like break everything that got you to this point and suddenly just pick the players who are in form no so okay, so okay I won't do would it. you not be oh but I, like, I'm not a manager well come on what would you I, do and that's probably why I'll never be a manager but it's very easy to say you, you pick these informed players but Southgate will pick his what I'd say tried tr- and tried trusted and, tried yeah. and trusted um, he, well he trusts them but and they've got him so far. They obviously didn't get him over the line against. I Italy. They got pretty close. Yeah, and but I, I think if anything, I don't. I'm not sure necessarily it was the players' fault. I think maybe Southgate in that final against Italy was too cautious. But that's the way he's going to approach this World Cup, and he kind of has to because if you look at their what we think will be their starting eleven, they've got a really good team from midfield up, but where you worry is the defence. Yeah. So he has to protect that. Yeah, or, or try and score a lot of goals so that when you concede a lot of goals, you know, I mean, that has not been the thing he's done. So he's not gonna, it's not going to happen. Let's get into these fixtures this weekend. There's probably some of those players we'll talk about now. On Saturday, the early kickoff on BT Sport is Manchester City against Brentford at half past 12. The other game on Saturday evening, Newcastle against Chelsea at half five on Sky Sports. And then the late game on Saturday evening is Wolves against Arsenal with a 7.45 kickoff. Uh, they're the Saturday kickoffs. We'll talk about the Sunday kickoffs in a moment. It's Brighton Villa and Fulham, Manchester United. Manchester City against Brentford. Man City's form has been a little bit patchy recently, Keith. What do you put that down to? Uh, probably just the, the volume of games. And I, I know they, they were qualified in, in the Champions League with, I think, maybe a game to go, two games to go. So they weren't putting everything into that. And you look at the last four games, they, they've won the last four and the bounce. I know they drew one before that, but for me, I, I think it, it's, it just has an air of inevitability about it. You know, I, I don't know whether they'll be top at, at, the, at the start of the World Cup. That'll pretty much be down to Arsenal, but they're just like, a, you know, the horse that's second in the race and the favourite, and you just know they're stalking and just waiting. And just eventually they will just go into another gear and, and just leave leave Arsenal behind but I think they'll do that to the, to the rest of the Premier League as well With given how how poor Arsenal have been Chelsea are, are non-existent in the race and you know Spurs I know that they're sitting in a, a pretty decent position but I don't think they're going to challenge anybody really so I expect Manchester City to, uh, to win it at a canter really I don't think they'll have to hit the heights that they have over the last couple of years but I totally expect them to to win the win the Premiership and go very, very deep into the Champions League. Yeah, I think we've been talking about this a good bit. Um, maybe a bit more belief in Arsenal's ability to stay the course, but we really needed that penalty not to be given last weekend for us to have a sense that this might be a title race still deep into April and maybe even the start of May, that there's a possibility this will still be there. But then, you know, 97 minutes in, there's a penalty, the penalty gets scored, and even though they're down to 10 men, they still get three points, and it's like, no points dropped. And you're like, oh my God, come on! They still It's 71% possession with 10 men and you kind of think you're looking at that game tomorrow you know there's 7 from 7 at the Etihad Brentford could they have 90% possession <laughs> yeah. Brentford haven't won away from home like this is what you call a home banker and maybe like, even the only chance Brentford would have 
to have any chance of thinking this one would be again if there was a, a freak red card for, for Man City but yeah I, I'd agree with Keith it's just it is a sense of City won't be too worried if they're not top come Saturday evening after the World Cup they'll all come back and they'll just do what they do City are just so efficient because they let the ball do the work whereas their greatest threat in the last few seasons has been Liverpool but we know if Liverpool are off it in terms of their work rate their game is based sure Pep Liners his book is called Intensity it's yeah. all about intensity City play with intensity but they can also take the sting out of games where you can't get the ball off them and that's what they'll do and that's how they'll win the league and I would imagine tomorrow he's got Erling Haaland he'll probably leave him on the bench like he did the, the last week and obviously comes on and scores the, the winning penalty didn't need to bring him on against Chelsea in the League Cup but he'll have him on the bench and if they need him they'll use him I think he might start him because it's the last game for such a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I w- listened to what Guardiola said the other day. Now, it'll be interesting to hear what he says today about Haaland. But he said that there's ligament damage in his foot. The okay, bone isn't case, broken. Right. It didn't actually sound too um, great in terms of the possibility of Erling Haaland coming to Dublin next week. Right. OK. I mean, you know, it's, that's bad and good. Right. Well, we want to see him. You want to see him. We do want to see him. But we also could do with a few... Morale boosting victories here. <laughs> well, like, it's a d- double-edged sword there, Phil. I know, but Haaland has been Stephen playing. Kenny's not like, oh, geez, I really want to. I want to see. Great him. to see him. Yeah. <laughs> like that scene in uh, Mike Bassett where they give the Mexican player three cheers for scoring a hat trick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now I, I, I think even if he does start, I just I'm kind of waiting for that. And Erling Haaland is unavailable. But okay. The later in the week, the better for the FAI. All right. Newcastle against Chelsea is the half-five kickoff. Um, this is a really, really interesting game at the moment, Keith. The the Chelsea form is not good. Uh, there's been no significant signs of improvement over the last week or so, even just to like get the team a sense of what they're trying to do. I think like everybody, I don't know if you're a Chelsea fan or, or what you think of them, but I think most people generally are hoping that Potter makes a success of it because he seems like a really good fella and his story is so unusual but at the same time there's a reason why most super clubs give managers a job who have a lot of experience of managing super clubs because it's a really difficult job what have you made of where Potter is at the moment? Yeah it's been a bit patchy hasn't it there's, there's been certain points in the in his reign that I, I've been impressed with things he's done and then other times when they just not turned up and it was the, the defeat to Brighton that that really uh, really raised eyebrows with me when they got hammered 4-1 by Brighton and that that in, in Graham Potter's head would have been a bit of a derby obviously I wouldn't say he had something to prove but you never want to get beaten by your old club so he would have really wanted to win that game and they were they were so so poor and it was it was really a tactical battle that he lost and you know it he was always very reactive as the Brighton manager. He would go out and sort of see how other teams set up and then try and exploit what they're doing. I think with Chelsea, you've got he's got to be a little bit more, a little bit more strong-handed and say, you know, we're Chelsea, we're, we play this way, and w- this is what we do. You look at Manchester City; they do not change for anybody. Liverpool will very, de- very rarely deviate from what they do. So, I think Potter's at an elite club now in, in Chelsea, and he's got to play the way. They play. He's got. He, I don't think he can change from from week to week. You know, obviously there'll be certain exceptions where you play an exceptional team, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, maybe not Barcelona these days. But you get me point. If you play an an exceptional club, there may be a change. But nine times out of ten, Chelsea should have a way they play and stick to that. For me, 
he's still trying to pick his best team. I think there's still there's still a, a few decent injuries in that squad as well. So I, I hope and I pray that he gets an awful lot of time because I'm like the bulk of people that I think he comes across as a really humble, down-to-earth bloke and, and a nice guy. He, he tries to forward the careers of all the players that he comes across. So I hope he does well. I don't think it's a certainty, but it's it's a big game. You know, Newcastle are, are getting bigger all the time, improving all the time, and they're, they're, they're six points ahead of Chelsea at the minute. So Graham Potter will want to close that gap before the World Cup. Exactly. A win for Newcastle here puts them nine points ahead of Chelsea and it doesn't count, nothing's guaranteed at this stage. It's far too early in the season. It's going to be a completely new season when they all come back from the World Cup. But um, we had Craig Hope on OTBAM yesterday and he was making the point that of all the managers in the Premier League at the moment, if you were to give any of them four or five weeks with their team, Eddie Howe is right up there in terms of his ability to improve them, to you know get them to do what he wants to do. They came back from their... Um, pre-season or mid-season break last year and won six of the next seven games I think so he had a clear impact on players you look at Almiron you look at uh, Joe Linton and a few others who are he was making the point to something like eight or nine of the starting team at the moment were on the books when he arrived like whatever everybody thinks and I think we're all in agreement that like the sports washing cannot be ignored the football that Eddie Howe has produced is a testament to him as a coach so if he was to pull this off and there's no reason to expect that they won't beat Chelsea at the weekend that's fairly remarkable Yeah it, to be honest I'm not expecting Chelsea to win I, I would be surprised if Chelsea won if they get a draw I think that's a good result but going back to Newcastle Jolington has been obviously he's transformed Jolington into this combative midfielder who obviously has an eye for a goal and has a has creativity as well but he's he's an absolute tank as well and you know he has that physicality in midfield Almiron is just after winning the player of the month obviously was um, mocked with the whole Jack Grealish and Bernardo Silva thing as well and he's on fire at the moment and this is just the start really you feel for Newcastle I mean you can't see them getting any worse because they're just going to keep investing in their squad because we know who owns them Mm. and the players that they have now are all fighting for their futures at the club because they know they're part of something that's going to be big they want to stay part of that this is the biggest gravy train in world sport at the moment you get on board you're going to be rich for life like he took the job a year ago but after a few weeks there was already a few people thinking this isn't working out that well but like you said they come back after the mid-season break in Saudi Arabia yeah I know and they've been sensational and yeah, you would imagine the the way, like even think the way they played City at St James's earlier this yeah. season, where they were three one up and it was aggressive. It wasn't yeah. we're going to sit back and try and hit you on the break. It was actually it was exactly the point Keith's making. We have a style of play, yeah. and while we're going to be aware of exactly what the opposition is doing, we're probably not going to go too far away from it week in week out. And there's an identity there, and the players are responding to that. So you'd make them favourites for this game, right? I would, and I think going back to Chelsea, the, the worry now is they're without a win in their last four league games. I thought they were really poor against Arsenal. Keith touched on some of the injuries they have. You're taking out your two wing-backs there in, in James and Chilwell. Aubameyang is a problem that Graham Potter has inherited because he was brought in to work with Thomas Tuchel, who had a good relationship with Dortmund, and they didn't get much time together. And now... Aubameyang was dreadful against Arsenal of all clubs you would have thought this is the one where he'd really like to stick it to them he'll try a leg yeah but he was awful and yeah. Arsenal now played them and should have won the game more comfortably but the worry is that Chelsea fans are so used to the old ownership that if things aren't working out you're gone 
So this is going to be a real test for Todd Bowley and the American it consortium. Is, it is. Uh, uh, the one thing you would say is that almost irrespective of what the result is, unless it's an absolute hammering, then at least Potter will also have a significant amount of time with a huge number of his his team. Um, maybe not a huge number, but certainly enough to be able to go, OK, these are, this is what we expect, this is what we're trying to do. And, and so, it, again, you'd, you'd hope, if they, I think they're going to give him the rest of the season, almost irregardless um, of what's going on. What do you think is going to happen here, Keith? I'm not too sure. I, I don't see Chelsea winning the trophy. I think it's you know fairly obvious that they're not going to win the Premier League. I don't think they'll win the Champions League just because I, I think Graham Potter even said the first time he went to a Champions League game was the first time he managed one. So I just think you need to have a bit of pedigree in that tournament to be able to win it. You look at the likes of Real Madrid so many times they get written off but they just know how to win it. I don't think like, even looking at the Chelsea squad I know there's a few injuries and a couple of big injuries for them but I just don't think they're capable of winning the, the Champions League. I, I, I have to say, now I did say that a couple of years ago when he ended up winning it. So I could, I could be wrong on that, but for me, they won't win the Champions League. So they're going to be trophyless. I think the best they can do in the Premier League is probably aim for the Champions League. Is that is that enough success? It hasn't been over the past at Chelsea. So Graham Potter could well be under an awful lot of pressure, but you know, you, you even hear the, the, type, the, the likes of Pep Guardiola at Manchester City saying, Please give him time. He's a good manager. As long as you give him time, he will be a success. And I, I hope, I hope Todd Bowley does. I hope it, you know it's a new owner at Chelsea, and I hope you have a little bit more patience because what he's done at Brighton, I think, deserves a little bit of credit. I know they're two totally different clubs, but give him till the end of the season, reassess it then, and if it, if they're making strides, maybe stick with it. But. You know, I, I think it could be a struggle for Potter, if I'm honest. If Newcastle win that game, they'll be third at the break and they'll be on an incredible run of form. They'll have a month with most of their players and it'll be very interesting to see what happens off the back of that. If um, So Chelsea do have a game in hand on Newcastle. So that it's against Liverpool. That was the postponed game. OK, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that could go either way at this stage, you know? You, honestly, Liverpool are flick of the coin. You don't know what's going to turn up. Yeah. So the next game on Saturday evening is Wolves against Arsenal at 7.45 on Sky Sports. The um, the Wolves changing manager hasn't really started to work just yet, has it? No, well, he's not even going to take charge for this game. He's, on, he's just saying to Steve Davis, you have this one and then I'll take the League Cup game, which the draw has been quite favourable. They're playing Gillingham, so a League Two side, and that's going to be Lopetegui's first game in charge. Right. But Wolves, it's been an issue for as long as we can remember scoring goals. They've only scored eight goals this season. They play some lovely stuff at times and I mean from an Irish point of view I think people are going to start watching more Wolves games the fact that the other night against Leeds Hodge started Connor Ronan started obviously Nathan Collins started as well Collins had a, a part in the goal but Joe Hodge is starting to get more game time so I think Irish football fans will start watching a bit more of Wolves and what you see is a team that has some really good players and you're sometimes looking at them going how did they not win that game now, I don't think that would be the case tomorrow. I think Arsenal just will have too much for them. Yeah, this is one of those games that um, in previous seasons when we didn't trust Arsenal, they would have like found themselves getting the man sent off in the first 15 minutes and losing 2-1. You think of David Luiz? Wasn't uh, that, he got sent off in that game, wasn't it? Uh, was it a Wolves game? I think it was, yeah. yeah. I didn't actually have any specific. I was, I was actually more thinking this is the type of game that previously, uh, in a different life, Xhaka would have kicked somebody early on and He's then stormed off and had a... Oh, was reformed to see him last week at Stamford Bridge he squared up to the Chelsea players and he just thought is he going to snap and he didn't yeah because I, he's winning that's is it just that he's winning because it, it he had to confidence be, as well though yeah but the bit before they started winning and before the confidence 
he had to reform before that. I yeah. mean, it's obviously it's all a, we're all on, we're all on a journey here, Phil. Uh, his journey is particularly interesting, <laughs> but like uh, there was a lot of resistance to Arteta and to his ways, Keith. But I think he's proved anybody who doubted him largely wrong at this point. That body of work he's put together now is has been transformational at Arsenal. Yeah, that Arsenal team is, uh, you know, I, I'm an Arsenal fan and I have to be honest, I thought I thought maybe top six at best this season. And I, I know when when Jesus and Zinchenko came in, I, I got a little bit, I was happier, but I did, you know, we were a better team. They made us a better team on paper, but I didn't expect this, this type of improvement. I really didn't. And I, I do still think Champions League would be what we're still aiming for, if we're honest. But it's very, very hard to argue with what's going on at Arsenal. It's it's brilliant stuff. You look at you look at the, the Swiss uh centre midfielder Shaka that we're talking about. The last at the start of the season I, I was saying Arsenal are only a player away. If they can get Tillyman's out, out of Leicester and put him in, that would be excellent for Arsenal. But I wouldn't take him now. Shaka's been a different player. He's been absolutely excellent. And I think he's probably up there with most improved with Almiron, to be honest with you, because the two of them are different players this season, different beasts and like you say, there's just little, for all the good attacking play that Shaka is doing. You see, when he went head to head during the week, you're thinking, is he going to do something silly here? He seems to have evolved as a person as well. And Mikel Atarte was largely down to that. You remember when he when he came off and the fans were booing him and he reacted poorly, and you were thinking that's the end. But Atarte just managed to keep him around, grow him back into the team, and it's been excellent man management. And I, I always go back to the, his handling of Aubameyang as well. The way he handled Aubameyang because he has such a young core of, of players in the Arsenal team, he had to be seen to be a disciplinarian and he did it He did it really well. And that was a, that was a really difficult decision, you have to remember, because at, at the time, Aubameyang was Arsenal's best player and yeah, they're, they're going from strength to strength to strength and I think he's uh, he's well and truly answered all the questions about his managerial uh, styles. The Aubameyang thing is really important because Aubameyang was an asset. He's on the club's books. There's a there's a monetary value beside him that the the head of finance is like, why are we giving seventeen million pounds away? What are you doing? Are you, because of your ego, you're giving him seventeen million pounds away. And Arteta's like, yeah, yeah, because I'm going to have to run the club. And still, the board are like, this is madness. This is our money, and you want to just burn it for nothing and give it to Barcelona. Yeah. and he's going to go and score a lot of goals there and then they're going to sell him and get the money back and he's like yeah I do and now it's like okay Miguel anything else you'd like us to do how else can we help you here yeah it's worked a treat and last Sunday just really it hit home just how right Arteta was and in fairness Aubameyang's form like his best form at Arsenal he was brilliant but he hadn't it had been a pre- while yeah and but ultimately what ends up costing Arsenal Champions League last season is just a lack of a goal scorer Lacazette gave it a good go but just didn't have the quality so when they lost that game at Newcastle everyone just and they'd obviously lost the Spurs a few days beforehand and everyone thought that's it that was your chance Arsenal but then you know they signed a few players Saliba comes in he's been unbelievable and he's obviously part of the France World Cup squad and yeah. whether he starts or not they've an, an embarrassment of riches in central defence like Kanate's after getting in he probably won't get any game time at the World Cup and he, I think he's an unbelievable defender as well it's just about whether they can avoid injuries but just certain things last Sunday watching the game Gabriel Jesus missed a chance now people are going on he's not scoring enough but if you watch just your eyes will tell you how good he is and how important he is he missed a header but if you look at the move 
It's just the way they play now. There was there was glimpses of it at Old Trafford, a game that they lost, and everyone said, "Oh, is it? Are Arsenal really going to be good enough?" But they're playing some unbelievable football, some one-touch football, quick. They have a style of play. It's the only league game they've lost, in fairness. Yeah, you know. Football on off the ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Not bad so far. Okay, so the, the two Sunday games, uh, Brighton against Aston Villa is live at two o'clock on Sky Sports and at half past four, it's Fulham versus Manchester United. The um, the Brighton recovery from the little blip they had after Potter left, Keith, when, when Potter left and the new manager comes in and they have a blip, you're like, oh, this could get pear-shaped pretty quickly. But then they, they write the ship and they write it spectacularly, obviously, against um, Chelsea last week. Uh, you know, he obviously inherited a good squad who knew what they were doing and maybe we should expect them to be at the level they're at but I, I didn't expect them to be as good as quickly post-Potter as they have been No, I, yeah I think that I think that'd be fair comment I think a lot of people were expecting a little bit of a a little bit of a blip after after Graham Potter's reign and it would have only been been natural you know different tactics different different play, different people coming in different coaches different backroom staff all the relationships are severed all of a sudden. And yeah, it, it could easily go pear shaped. But I, I've seen the Zerbi uh, manage a couple of times, and he, he just has this knack of being able to get players on side. And I, I like him the way he talks to the media. He seems to be a nice enough bloke. He, he, he talks well. He's, I've heard him speak at length about Evan Ferguson as well. And the, when he speaks about Evan Ferguson, he can tell he loves him. He said he's delighted to get him back on side, another contract. But he needs to grow and he needs to evolve. So, to me, that he understands the game. He sees what's in front of him. He's not just going to rush people through when there's a bit of fanfare behind him. So, for me, I think Brighton have a really good manager uh, in the Zerbi. I think it, there will be an adjustment, an adjusting period, because obviously it's not going to be the same as Graham Potter. It would be miraculous if he went, if he done as well as Graham Potter has under Brighton, because. I think we can all say that, that the squad that Brighton have is overachieving. There's some outstanding players within the squad. You know, you look at Trossard. I love watching Trossard week in, week out. He's, he's brilliant in the in the Premiership. Danny Welbeck, a, a player I've played with, although he's getting older and older, his movement is getting his movement is exceptional and he's still causing problems up there. So they, they have the bulk of a really good team. But I have to say I, I think a top half finish for them would be would be success. Yeah, they're sixth at the moment, uh, as things stand. If Villa were to win this game, which is you know, not quite unlikely, but if they were to win this game, they'd actually only be three points behind Brighton. Yeah, look, at Brighton are, and this was the same under Potter, on their day they could be unbelievable. And I think what they did really well against Arsenal was they were just clinical, which isn't actually something we've always said with Brighton, no. where they create a lot of chances and they don't put enough away. But they have a, some really good players. Unfortunately, they're going to lose some of those players. Like Trossard, that Keith mentioned, if he gets any game time at the World Cup I'm sure he's going to be uh, there has been links with Chelsea obviously the the Graham Potter thing Casido in midfield looks like try and keep them off the, to, until the end of the season and yeah. then he, he promised them look we'll sell you as long as we get a boatload of cash for you in the summer but it also you know, like going back to De Zerbi, he obviously is different from Potter but he also is similar in th- the type of players that he wants. So there's no point in... You see it so many times at clubs where they go and they appoint a completely different manager from 
like you have to appoint a manager he, that can time. work yeah. that can work with the players that you have yeah and, so, and there has been a project there over a long yeah. period of time um, obviously all the way back to the end of the Hooten era uh, have they had any chance of winning this? Um, like these one-off games where Unai sets the team up to defend, defend, defend and hit on the break do you know what I was thinking this would be some start for Unai Emery when, when they went 2-1 up at Old Trafford last night and then just un- unravelled and Tyrone Mings unfortunately was central central to it <laughs> yeah he just when he came on for, for Konza he nearly gave away a penalty Rashford knocked one wide but then yeah he just unf- it just seems that when he makes a mistake he doesn't get away with it like players make mistakes but just seems anytime Tyrone Mings makes a mistake he gets punished. There was some talk of them not picking Emmy Martinez for the game at the weekend as a favour because they had not picked him before at the end last season, before whatever that the uh, common ball variation of the European Nations Cup was. And um, now they have to pick him. You can't, you can't pick the same keeper they had last night. No. Especially when you see the goal that he gave away. No. Um, it's kind of important not to kick the ball to the opposition inside your own penalty area. Fulham versus Manchester United is the last one on Sunday at half past four. Um the Ten Hag revolution continues is it or this is a real proper threat for Manchester United that Fulham could do them couldn't they yeah it depends if Mitrovic plays or not he's he didn't play last week he is crucial for Serbia so you wonder is there talks between Marco Silva and the Serbian management team going like if he's doubtful like we'd rather you don't play him because we have a game against Brazil you know it's kind of a big one for us Uh, he's like I have a game against Manchester United. It's yeah. kind of a big one for them. What do you do? Well, like, this is the one I've been. I, I have to say, one of the the players who you know split opinions at the start, but this shows just the way uh, football is that you have a few bad games or a few iffy games, and people write you off. But Martinez, Lissandro Martinez, has been unbelievable for United. I love watching him. You know, obviously, a lot to be made about his size. He's a bit of a tug. Does it just like in a good way? There's a bit of a tug in him. The the biggest compliment you can give to a player like that is if he played for your club oh, you love him absolutely and if he plays against you you hate him so he falls into that category and I think United fans would be happy enough with that but I did think you know I'd love to see him up against someone like Mitrovic but he's clever enough that he's not going to try and get into a duel with him where ball comes in he's, he's like, kicked everybody he's played against this year yeah. and it, it worked against everybody he didn't kick Haaland he might now, in retrospect, next time they play, maybe he's leaving that until there's a big game that actually matters as opposed to the first league game they play. How dangerous is this a game for Manchester United, Keith, do you think? I think it's a it's a tricky enough toy, but I, I would I think it, I wouldn't say it hinges on Mitrovic playing because Fulham are, are far from a one-man team, but if Mitrovic plays, I give them a, a, a much better opportunity of winning the game. And You know, we can over, you know, you look at tactics, you look at this, you look at that, if if Mitrovic plays, he's, I would tell him to go and stand on Martinez. I think that's fairly obvious. And it, I know Martinez has proven that he gets up early, he heads the ball well. But Mitrovic is one of them that if you're if you're anywhere around him, he makes sure you don't jump. He's all arms. He'll drag you down. He'll he has all the dark arts of not letting you jump. So if Martinez gets too close to him, he'll pin him. And you seen the way uh, when he scored that goal against Liverpool at the back post that uh, Trent Alexander. I know Trent. Alexander Arnold doesn't defend it particularly well, but you think if you if you can get Martinez into them sort of duels where Mitrovic is coming in with a header, you just think there's only going to be one winner. So for me, get the ball out wide for Fulham, put all sorts of quality into the box, put United under pressure and play from there. And yeah, I, I think it's a, tr- a tricky enough tie, and 
like you said, I think there could be a couple of the United players coming off the boil. So I would, I would put that down as maybe maybe Fulham getting something out of that, yeah. Well, that'd be interesting because it changes again the kind of questions about Manchester United and the pressure ratchets up just a little bit more. It's just, this is going to happen as long as Ten Hag is there. But in, especially in this first season, there's going to be highs and lows and you just have to ride with it if you're a United fan. You'd be so disappointed with how the first 15 minutes went against Villa and you were coming off a decent enough performance in Spain obviously they didn't get the second goal but the, you know the bright sparks are Garnacho scored in that game in Spain then he came on last night and he was brilliant and that as well gives players yeah. like Jadon Sancho a kick up the backside uh, where is he? well he's not going to the World Cup and, I not even, and no one's batting an eyelid that he's no, not going to the World no, Cup no and it's just and I, I don't think it's down to a lack of ability but I, I think if you've watched Sancho play for Dortmund He's a player that really thrived in a very fluid attacking system, which he hasn't had at United. Now, that that could, that's what Ten Hag says will come. So, I'm not writing off Jadon Sancho, definitely not. Right, OK. Uh, Fulham versus Manchester United is on Sunday at half past four on Sky Sports. And the football kickoff is live every Friday at around about half past eleven with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. We'll be back. Uh, in a couple of weeks time obviously there's no show next Friday because the World Cup is on my thanks to Keith Tracy and to Phil Eagle and to you guys out there for watching as well uh, on our YouTube channel make sure you subscribe and we'll see you real soon take care The Football Kickoff with Sky watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports 